Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Good morning. <laughs> I, must, I must confess something before I get on with it. Uh, it doesn't always happen, and it doesn't often happen, but I'm usually very prepared, like sometimes weeks in advance for the message, but last night I really felt in my heart that God wants me to change uh, 95% of everything I prepared in the last couple of weeks. So today I do want to speak from my heart, but I think um, I think... I just want us to go together with this and just literally let God and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Uh, I, I want us to really let the Holy Spirit transform our hearts more than my words, more than whatever, just to let God speak to us. And I do believe, actually, with all my heart, that this, is, this can be a transformative message. As you know, we are in this series, The King's Speech, and as we said in the beginning, we, do, we really want to lay foundations for a kingdom life. And in this message is one of those foundations that we really want all of us as Christians and as followers of Christ to have in our lives. You know, Jesus speaks of many things in, in the Sermon on the Mount, and today it's going to be one of those a bit uh, heavy topics, if I can say, and uh, it's a bit of a taboo one in some churches or in, for some people, and I'm going to speak about lust. Okay, I'm going to speak about lust. This passage speaks, speaks of adultery as well, but as you know, I was never in a position where I commit adultery because I've never been married and I'm not married, but I know that there are some principles that if we all apply, we can actually lay some foundations in our relationships, marriages, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, and then everything else as well. So I'm going to read from Matthew 5, 27 to 30. It says, if you have heard it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gorge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, lust is a, is a strong emotion or feeling. And biblically speaking, lust is a strong desire for something inappropriate. Something that God has forbidden and some, something that God tells us do not touch, do not even go there. And this is something that usually damages our lives. When God forbids, when God tells us not to do something, it is for our own good. Okay, I think we know this. And last is one of those forbidden things that God says, do not even go there because it can actually really, really damage lives as well. Last is one of the most damaging things in the world because it has the power to destroy the lives of those that flirt with it. And today I want us to have a wider understanding or a bigger picture of the implications of lust in our lives. I'm sure all of us, no matter how old you are, have in a way or another had some lust in your lives. And I know, and like speaking as, as people, that we all go through it. We all battle through it in a way or another. But it's, it's important that we understand how devastating the effects of lust are in this world. And today I'm going to give a bit of a bigger picture of what lust does. The verse we just read in Matthew 5.28 speaks of lustful intent. That is the word Jesus uses right there. And today I want us to understand that it's vital for us that we are not controlled and managed by lustful desires. It's very important that 
lust doesn't control our decisions, that we don't make decisions based on what we lust in a separate and isolated moment, because it will really devastate our lives and has damaging effects. In October 1993, a wildfire swept Laguna Beach, California, that's a real picture from there, and devastated entire neighborhoods. But as you can see, all that was left from all those homes is just the foundations, apart from this one house. In the middle of all this fire, this house stands untouched by fire, different from any other house in that neighborhood. Not only was it not touched by fire, but it wasn't even scorched by smoke. And this house stands in the midst of everything, contrasting every single house in the neighborhood. And the owner of the house was asked why did his home uh, stood when all others fell. And the man said that it, he had gone to extra effort to make his house flame-proof, if I can say. It had double-paned windows, thick walls, sealed eaves, concrete tiles, and abundant isolation. He made the extra effort, he went the extra mile, and it sort of paid off. His house didn't burn down. And if fire can burn down houses, lust can devastate homes. Lust can devastate families. Lust is like a little fire that can easily become a wildfire and just burn everything down. If we don't deal with lust in our lives, it can do this to our homes, to our families, to our kids, to everyone that we come in contact with. And I want, to, uh, I want us to understand how, how important and how dangerous lust can be in someone's life if it's not dealt with in proper, at proper time as well. Lust can immediately become wildfire. Deal with it as soon as it comes there. If fire can burn down houses, lust can burn down generations. Generations of people, generation after generation, just because we didn't deal with lust in our lives. Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? And of course the answer is no. You do not go and embrace fire. And another translation says, Can someone, can a man or a woman take fire into their lap and not be burned? And of course the answer is no. You don't just play with fire because you know you get burned. And until we don't realize that the effects of undead lust with are dangerous, or even more dangerous than wildfire, it, which swipes like a neighbor who is down, would just be like the man or woman who takes fire in their own lap, plays with it, and in no time, it will just go, become a wildfire and will devastate our lives. The last turned into a wildfire that, first of all, physically removed us from the presence of God. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. There was something they wanted. There was this extra something that they were wanting to have. They wanted the forbidden thing. They wanted the thing that God said, guys, do not touch this. And it broke their relationship with God because they had a passion and desire for something that they shouldn't have. And last crept in, even at the creation of the world, creation of mankind, the first thing that happened, they were lasting for something that they shouldn't have. And it broke their relationship with God. It started then. Okay, the last started then. And that fire was the first time in history, that last that became a fire, was the first time in history when humankind cheated on God. In an indirect way, they said, God, you're not enough. We want something more. We want something else. And maybe in our lives at times, and I discovered this for me, I, I actually realized that there are times when God is not enough for me and it's wrong. Because I know God can be enough and is more than enough for anyone. But because maybe my mind and my heart are set on different things, maybe like Adam and Eve, we get to the point where we forget that God is everything we need and that God is enough for us. And that's when we start to look 
and others will, will start to look at other trees. There are so many things they had in that garden where they looked at that tree. And Adam and Eve were no longer pure in heart by default because of the lust, because they feed that lust. And humankind was no longer pure in heart. And the ramification of it just spread towards generations and throughout the history of the world just because they wanted more than it was offered. Just because they wanted to touch the unforbidden tree. That's because they ate and they disobeyed God. And I'm saying this because I want us to understand that lust is, is there since the beginning. It's doing its work. It's spreading around generations. It's spreading around, uh, around history, across history and across years and thousands of years. It's there since the beginning. We need to learn to deal with this one. It's ruining lives. That's why lust probably destroyed more lives than anything else in the world. I think that lust destroyed more lives than anything, more than worse, more than anything else, because people didn't deal with the lust in their hearts. And I want us to look at some of the damaging effects of lust, and I want to see sort of what God's solution is. And first of all, there are so many, but I'm going to look at three. First of all, I'm going to look at how lust can damage marriage and relationships. Okay? I read a study that says that the number one problem uh, in marriages, the way they break up, is because of poor boundaries. Engaging in intimate conversations with members of the opposite sex leads to emotional experiences that cloud judgment, trigger fantasy life, and progress towards physical intimacies outside of marriage. The connection and acceptance found in illicit relationship diverts energy away from solving problems with one spouse. Confiding about marital problems with sympathetic listener provides a contrasting experience to whatever dissatisfaction might be present in the marriage. The number one reason for why marriages break is lust. There's something extra that one of the two wants. Gavin Calver, he said this week when we've been to a conference, he said that he was invited to BCC or one of these TV channels to debate on the possibility of having a five years only marriage. They're thinking of creating a five years only marriage. And Gavin Carvel, he's, he's leading the evangelist side of Evangelical Alliance, so he's quite big. And he told us today that he was actually, after he preached, he was called by them and said, what if, why, why don't you come and let's debate to see what you think about this. So we're living in this world where marriage will actually be five-year only uh, contract. So if, I'm, if at 20 years old I get married, by the time I meet I'll be married 16 years, 16 times. I would have had 16 wives if I want that after five years I just change the wife, just like this. I just change the husband. I'm tired of him. I'm, I, just, I don't want him anymore. And this is what last does. And I think it's the first time in history when we're, where we even consider these things. We consider to have a five-year-old marriage only, five-year-long. And this is the world we live in. And this is all because of lust, because people, they don't deal with the things in their hearts. They just go with the flow. And when lust controls our decisions, this is what we debate. Marriage is no longer a covenant. It's just a contract. If you don't do what I want, we just split. Who cares? And this is what lust does. It's damaging. And probably when I'll have kids and I'll have nephews, who knows what other laws will be there. I think that Satan has this mission of destroying marriages. And even more than this, he wants to destroy the word covenant. We forget it's a vow. We made a covenant. When you get married, it's a covenant. The only condition of breaking that covenant is death. <laughs> if you die, you're no longer married. And I know things can help, but I think Satan is trying to even cancel the definition of the word covenant. When you look at contracts, when you look at what we want, and then this is it's, it's like 
it's part of our culture, and when our kids come in the world, when they go to school, this is what they learn. And that's why it's so important that we understand what the Bible says about lust. That's why it's important that immediately as you feel lust towards anything else, deal with it right then and there. Do not let it become a wildfire because it's so important that we are faithful to God, we are faithful to each other, no matter what. Your marriage is a covenant. Your marriage is a vow. And I know there are, I'm sure there are hard times. But we stick together. We do not give up ever. Look at Adam and Eve. They had everything. I mean, they had a world. They had each other. They had everything. But they wanted that tree. They looked for that tree. They owned the world. But no, they wanted that tree. That was what their eyes were focused on. They looked at the wrong tree. And they exchanged joy for death. Adam and Eve looked at the wrong tree. And they exchanged death, joy for death. Craig Rochelle says, If the grass looks greener on the other side, it's time to water your own yard. (laughs) If the grass looks greener on the other side, it's time to water your own yard. And the grass will look greener on the other side when you're led by your lust. When you are a consumer type of person. When your relationship is a consumer-based relationship. It's about all I want. But if the grass looks greener, maybe you didn't take care of your own grass. Maybe you didn't take care of your spouse as you should have. He also says when it comes to relationships, it's tempting to want what others have. But if you consistently invest in your own relationship, you might be surprised how blessed you will be. Do not give up, even if it's hard. Even if the grass looks greener on the other side, do not give up. You're in a covenant. You work things together. Don't feed your mind with the what-ifs. Don't go there. A reporter said that, asked an old couple, how did you manage to stay together for 65 years? And the woman said, we were born in a time when if something was broken, we would fix it, not throw it away. And we're losing this. Even I, I discovered in my heart, I don't think like this. If I don't let the Bible and God's word renew my mind, I don't think like this. If I'm bored of you, I just dump you. If you're not, no longer beautiful, I'm no longer with you. This is what we tend to do. And I need to deal with these things in my heart as well. It's part of my DNA, and I want to deal with it. I cannot let lust decide for me. I cannot break hearts. I cannot be so selfish and such a consumer. I want to be in covenant. Even in friendship, it's the same. So it's not only marriage. The friends, you have served them, love them. Servanthood is the remedy to lust. If you feel like you want to go on the other green, why don't you start serving your own yard? Start planting some seeds. Start using the lawnmower. Start, Start investing in there. Do not look at the tree that you shouldn't look. Do not exchange joy for death. Do not, do not exchange just a temporary good feeling to destroy generations and families and your own families and kids and all these things. Deal with things at the right time. No matter what type of relationship you're in. And I'm sure that marriage, and I hear this, it's, it's hard. I know I, there is this guy, Matt Chandler, that I really, really like, like a lot and... Uh, he says that the first seven years of his marriage were hell. And Matt Chandler is, is a guy who runs a 15,000 people church in America. He's the president of Acts 29, which is the biggest church planting network in the world. So he's one of those guys that we say, oh, they, they have it all perfect. And he said that it was, literally, they said it was hell. Him and Lauren, his wife, they were going through hell. The seven, first seven years of marriage. And I know statistics, first year of the marriage is like, or second, I know, it's like, Awful, like, what have I done? 
what have I gotten myself into? You've gotten yourself into a covenant and you work things together. That's what happened. And when my Chandler said that after seven years, what changed is that his focus started to be on himself. So no longer looking at his wife, oh, she needs to change this, she's like that, she's like that, she's like that, it, she doesn't do this. He starts to focus on himself. And we need to shift our focus on ourselves. Because let's be honest, we're not perfect. No matter how much she hurts you or no matter how much he hurts you, you're not perfect either. There are things that we need to sort out as well. That's why start to work on your heart first. Do not let last bring the what-ifs and then you go in further than this. Deal with it at proper time. I was speaking with a guy the other weekend. He was telling me about how he simply left his girlfriend because she wasn't beautiful anymore. Literally, we were speaking on Facebook and he called me. He was opening up to me. So I'll not give his name. He's in Romania. You don't know him anyway. But he was saying that he just dumped his girlfriend. I mean, just like that. She's no longer beautiful. I like other girls. Well, okay, maybe, maybe women are just things that you dispose of. It's selfish. It's wrong. And we shouldn't think like this. We don't, we, our relationship is not just based on what I want, what my needs are, what I'm there to serve. I'm there to be there for them. And I, <laughs> I hope you don't think I'm angry or something, but I've seen this selfishness in my heart for so many years. And I want to change this. I want to be serving whatever relationship I'm into. Last destroys generations. It's not only about marriages, it's not just about the couple, it's not just about the kids, but it's generations after generations after generations, just because of an undealt with last. That's why we need to water our own yard. Your spouse is a gift from God. Your spouse is a gift from God. Men, take care of your wives. Wives, respect and support your men, your husband. No matter how bad they are, you're in it together. Fix things. Don't just run away. It is possible. We are godly people. God is in our marriage or in our relationships. He can fix things, but we need to do it together. If things, if things break, fix them. Don't throw them away. Let's not be like this generation and this world now. Let's have a biblical mindset. When something goes wrong, we're dealing with it. Heads on. It may take time, of course, but we're dealing with it. We do not ever give up. Do you know each other's love language? Okay, five-language book, read it. It's very practical. Do you act on it after? <laughs> Are you intimate? Not only physical, but emotionally as well. Are you intimate with each other? And I'm just asking. <laughs> Obviously, I don't want you to answer necessarily, but I hope you are. Because <laughs> it's important, all right? Don't get involved in emotional adventures with colleagues. And this is something I discovered maybe in the last few months. Uh, we tend to not go, let's say, sexually in our minds or physically. We just go emotionally. We just look at how she or he is, and then we start to dream of how it would be if they would be with us. And this is an emotional adventure. It's a little bit of lust that is very sublime because we compare maybe our wives or our husbands with him or her because they're nice people, we're good friends with them, and in no time we'll actually dream of having a life with them, and that's when lust comes. So be careful of, I, I'm calling them emotional adventure. I don't know how they're called scientifically. But I, I, I discovered, because we usually look at sexual things, so did you sleep with her or not? And may, maybe people don't do this. Uh, but there is an emotional type of attachment that we might put on other people, that we're just friends with. Be careful with this. And I've speak, spoken with a friend of mine recently. They're married for four years. And then there is something in their heart that they don't, no, no longer feel satisfied emotionally by their spouse. And that's when you try to speak with others, open up to others. But be careful what listening ear you open up to. 
because it can become temptation and from there it goes on. Remember, it's a wildfire. Be, be intimate emotionally with your spouse. Speak about things. Open your heart. Don't close yourself. Don't isolate yourself. You're in this together and you can do it. It is possible to work through things as well. Live in a covenant-based relationship and give last no space. Give last no space. Don't feed it. Don't embrace it because it will burn you badly. Do not embrace last. Do not take fire in your own lap. Do not embrace fire because it will burn you. Some say that they are not getting satisfied in marriage. <laughs> But this is not a license for adultery. <laughs> Just because you're not satisfied doesn't mean you need to go and find satisfaction somewhere else. Deal with it. <laughs> adultery, uh, unsatisfied marriage is not a license for adultery. That's not an option for us as Christians, okay? Many say that I don't feel attracted to my spouse, therefore I want to divorce. So really? If you don't feel attracted to your spouse, maybe you need to work on this. Maybe there's something that you didn't do lately. Maybe you didn't take care of them emotionally, physically, and everything else. If you don't feel attracted, make yourself feel attracted again. Do not just go by feelings. Your wife, your husband is a gift from God. Pray, value them. She's precious. He's your husband. Deal with things. Do not just give up so easily. God is with us. You can rebuild your marriage, even if it was really burned down by the fire of lust. You, you can still rebuild your marriage, okay? But you must develop a servant heart. Like the fire I mentioned in the beginning, those people can build back their homes. It is possible. It may take investment, it may take time, it may take saving of money, but it is possible. It's the same with marriage, no matter how hard it seems now for you. No matter how far and deeper you've gone, it is still possible to rebuild that marriage. And God is there. Maybe unlike people who don't have God in their house, we have God. And we have ourselves. Pastor Mark told me to mention that if you go through things in your marriage, come and speak to us. And don't speak to me, obviously, because I don't have any experience in terms of marriage. But speak with people in the church, mature people. Go to your sport group leaders. We can deal with this because last will try to destroy your marriage. Deal with it. If there are stuff, just, I don't know, call Pastor Mark. I'm sure Rob is here and other people. Deborah, just speak with things in a practical way. Okay, this is not just a message, an inspirational, motivational message. I want you to deal with the last in your hearts as I'm trying to deal in my life. As well, because I don't want to be a consumer. I want to believe in a covenant-based relationship as well. If your heart is healthy and your, if your mind is renewed and if you are getting a better person, you'll become a better husband and you become a better wife. Focus on yourself. Deal with things in your own heart. Because if you get better, everyone gets better. It's just how it is. If you are healthy, everyone hurt, is healthy. Hurt people, hurt people. And I've done it so many times. Just because of my hurt, just because of my selfishness, I've hurt people. Even recently, people I care about, people I love, just because I'm selfish. And it's wrong. I need to have a servant heart in every relationship that I'm part of. But it starts with you and not with them. Okay, it starts with you. Just let God and open your heart to God and say, deal with things in my heart, even if it's ugly. Just, just put your heart in front of the mirror of God and say, God, point towards stuff in my heart because I want to have a good marriage. Second thing, I want to focus on uh, sex trafficking, okay? Uh, I just give you some statistics. I could speak for hours on this. But there are two million children exploited around the world for sex today and forced labor.
the International Labour Organization estimates that forced labour and human trafficking is a 150 billion industry worldwide. 150 billion dollars. Okay? There are at least 21 million slaves today. And if you have 1.25, if you have 1.25 in your pocket right now, you can go to India and buy a little girl. I can give you websites. You can actually buy girls. There are websites where you, can, you, can, you pay more for a bull than for a girl. This is how, how bad it got. And it's all because of lust. Because it's undealt with lust in human heart. The average victims are between 11 and 14. Approximately 80% of women and children are both sold and imprisoned in the underground sex service industry. The average lifespan of a victim is seven years. After seven years, or he will either be murdered, will either commit suicide, or catch STDs and other diseases, and they will die. Why? Why, 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 why do all these things happen? This is a business where there is demand. Lust creates demand. And when there is demand, there is supply. It's purely business. And I don't say purely in a nice way. It's awful. It's hor hor horrific. It's, it, you look at the statistics and what do you do? It's a business where you have the demand which takes place mainly through pornography. Pornography supplies sex slaves. And I, want to, I want you to know this. It's hard. But when I read the statistics, when I, when I listened to testimonies, it helped me in my own battles. It's, it's bad. It's horrif hor horrible. Do not take part in the sex trafficking industry by watching pornography. I'm sorry to say this. Deal with these things. That's what it got to. The lives of women and kids are just commodities. They're, they're assets that provide passive income. Can you imagine this? And pornography is the main one. There are brothels, red-like districts, and also so on. We can speak all the time about all these things. But I, I beg with you, men and women, do not watch porn. It's, it's dangerous. And there are so many other statistics, but I just wanted to shock you with this. Lust destroys generations after generations. People die because of these things. People are trafficked because we as humans, we have this lust and we demand, and someone obviously will be there to provide. Lust demands and greed provides. And the main distribution is pornography, brothels, pimps, and sex tourism, which is another thing. Lastly, I want to finish by saying that lust breaks our relationship with God. And this is even more dangerous than sex trafficking because it has eternal consequences in our lives. Lust broke our relationship with God. Jesus said, as Pastor Mark preached initially in the first part of this series, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see the God. That's why Jesus speaks on this passage that adultery starts with lustful intent in the heart. And before that he said that those that are pure in heart will see God. We need to purify our hearts. It starts here. It's not just in what you do outside. It starts in here. The pure in heart see God because they can have greater intimacy with Him. And that's what we're called to. To have intimacy with God. 
but intimacy with God is the last thing we look for when we sin. Look at Adam and Eve. They sinned and they hid in a bush. Like, really? That's our natural tendency. I've sinned, I've done such horrible things, and I'll run away from God. But that's not how you deal with it. If you've, wrong, if you've done wrong against God, I know how you feel. Just, just go to Him. I speak as someone who's done so many times wrong things, but I go to God. I don't isolate myself in my own pain, in my own sin. I isolate myself from the world. That's, that's grace. I know I don't deserve it, but I can run back to God. He's there for me, op- o- waiting for me. If, you're, if you feel your heart is saving now, surrender it to God and choose to live by what He says, not what you feel. Choose to live by what He says, not what you feel right now. The fight against lust is the battle against unbelief. Belief in God who says that we are who we are in Christ. I choose to believe that who God says I am, I am, regardless of what I've done, because I can be forgiven. God brings me back into his family, washes me clean, gives me a new beginning. The fight for sexual purity is the fight for faith. The more intimate you get with God, the less you'll want to commit adultery, and this is great. Think about it. If you're with your wife in your bed, you cannot be with another wife, with another woman in another bed. It's just physically impossible. It's the same with God. Just go towards Him. Work in a relationship with Him. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how ashamed you feel, no matter how much you've hurt others, God loves you. God is waiting for you and He has grace ready for you. To Timothy says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The other strategy on dealing with lust, I'll say this, run. First of all, run towards God. If you've wronged God, if you've wronged your spouse, run towards them. Don't run away from them. Go and deal with things. Run away from sin. Run away from sin. Don't focus on it. Yes, battle when attack and stand firm, but run away. Run away from sin. If if you've done something, if you know there's someone at work, if you know there's someone wherever you work, run away from it. Do not put yourself in a a position where you have to make a choice between spending time with them or not. Put boundaries. Boundaries are so healthy. Boundaries save us. Boundaries bring us joy. Put boundaries in your lives. Do not place yourself in a situation where you have to choose between right and wrong. Be wiser than that. Do not place yourself there. Run away from all these things and then run together. And this is so important because this is uh, pursue love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. I would say, do it together, never in isolation. What sin and lust will try to do is to isolate you, like put you in the bush, like with Adam and Eve. But this is not the way we deal with it. If need be, expose it. Speak with your spouse. Do it together, guys. If you, if you, are, if you are single, let's do it together. And I, I have friends in this church where we together, we deal with things. We're just honest with each other. Because I know that God is working in our hearts. That's why my point today is that lust is a devastating wildfire that can burn to generations if we don't deal with it. But we can deal with it. We can come to God no matter what you've done, no matter how much you've struggled. Come to God and God restores hearts, renews minds, heals broken hearts, restores marriages, restores relationships. You need to develop a servant heart, 
no matter what's happening, I'm going to serve and give it my all. Because love gives. And we can do this through God. Maybe the band can join and going to sing a song and I know it's heavy. Okay, and I just wanted to maybe all of us to have a bit our eyes opened about the dangers of lust and to know that we can deal with it. But first of all, going towards God in repentance and humility and brokenhearted, then go running away from sin. Don't place yourself in a situation where you have to choose to sin or not. And then do it together in unity with the church, with the family, with your spouse, with your children, no matter what. And you can do it. It is possible because we belong to God and God is our Father. He, breaks, he, bring, he brings healing to broken hearts. It's just, it's just what He does. Let's, think, let's sing and think about these words. Bless you.